The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage. For games you play on your table and on your television, you can think of us as the make you happy and make you understand of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who always understands. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Is that a Shania Twain reference? No, goodness, no. Okay. I don't know that I can name a Shania Twain song. Okay. Well, you probably, well, maybe you can't name one, but you would know it. You would know that. I, I, <laughs> I definitely know I know some, uh, but I don't know if I can tell you the title of any. Yeah, I mean, whatever makes you happy. Uh, I feel like, I don't know why I saw the title of the show and I put those three things together. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> I, I'm, well, this is another music reference, though. Are you not, this one's a little bit of a deeper cut, though, for sure. Is it? What is a '90s band? Yeah, I was just gonna say. Um, is it Gravity Kills? No, but the same vein as Gravity Kills. It's Crystal Method. It is not. The, no, but you're definitely on the right track. Uh, like literally, this band. If you Nails? told me like who else do they sound like, I would have said I would have said Gravity Kills. Uh, no, it's not Nine Inch Nails either. Oh, um, the um, um, the brothers, the Chemical Brothers. It is not. Jeez. Josh, you're doing really good, though. I think I've uh, named is, all of the ones I can... <laughs> uh, this is Stabbing Westward. Oh, Stabbing Westward. And I have, what do I have to do in my head? And it's going, yeah. and I can hear it. Yep. Yeah, one, yep, Stabbing Westward. Okay, good, I, good, good one. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan. I was listening to Spotify the other day, and it was just on one of my regular mixes, and then and Stabbing Westward came on, and I was like, my goodness, I cannot remember the last time. So then I went in a deep dive... And started listening to all the old Stabbing Westward albums again. And I forgot how good they were and how much I enjoyed them. They're a very particular type of mood for their music, but... Yeah, I have that whole song in my head now. I just sang, I just went through the whole... Through the whole thing, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's actually something... You're hitting on something that I was planning on doing, which I'll probably make a, um, a topic for a well-rounded life soon. So I don't want to say it yet, but... Uh, it's making it's making me remember to do it, so maybe I'll do it this week. Awesome. Yeah, I have discovered that, uh, you know, very different type of music. Not really that different. Well, mood-wise, very different type of music from what was my last week's one. So, yeah. you know, a little tonic, a little stabbing westward. It's cool. It's cool. So, yeah, I was really – when you pulled out Gravity Kills, though, I was going to be like, man, I don't know. <laughs> not sure a lot of people are up, at, up on Gravity Kills. So that was good. That was impressive, Josh. But how has how is the week been since we – we talked last. Well, it hasn't been long since we talked last, but the week has I been know, the week has I know, been, it's been fine. Like days, but still, <laughs> the week's been fine. Just another week in COVID city, Central USA. I don't know. We're getting cases, reported cases. It's just, it's just, it's more stressful before it's not stressful. So I feel like the end is near, but in a good way, not in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh yeah, I mean, 
I am. What's today? Today is the eleventh. Yeah. So I'm six days away from post two weeks of my second vaccination. So I'm six days away from being in the clear, so to speak. Which is kind of funny because I get my first shot on Friday. Hey, that's awesome! You get, you yeah. know, what you're getting. Uh, I think I'm getting the Pfizer, I believe. Okay, nice. So good. good yeah, good. Well, they're actually doing it at work. So oh, even better. Yep. Great. So that's well, pretty exciting, and yeah. and we get time off for it too, which is oh, nice. Oh, that is nice. That doesn't happen here, <laughs> but <laughs> but so yeah, um, the day the we get like we have COVID leave that we can take. Um, and we have specific COVID leave we can take for getting our vaccinations and by if we feel under the weather as a result of our vaccinations that we can That's take great. that does not go into our sick leave or our other vacation time. Yeah, it is pretty nice. So I can't complain. But yeah, great. so no, that's I'm excited about that. It was I will be like everyone in my office is basically getting ours within like a couple days of each other. So it was very interesting because we were talking about like we're like, man, by the end of May. We could actually have meetings face to face again. Yeah, it's crazy. As long as everyone's know, vaccinated, yeah, yeah, because like our office is five people, so and all of us are on the, roughly the same timeline within like three days of each other. So I've already scheduled a mandate for Friday night for, oh, that's for vaccinated exciting. men <laughs> to play board games. Just two of us. Show but proof of it's vaccination be fun. at the door. I'm excited. I said, I said, I hope you're ready for the biggest hug you've ever gotten. He said, my body is ready. <laughs> well, Greg, I know like you're that. listening. Uh, I hope it was as good for you <laughs> as it was for me. <laughs> you don't even know that it's happened. He's like, you don't even know, though, Josh. It hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen. <laughs> I know. And it's nice that you've already, you know, like consent has already been asked for and given. I did, so that's text, great. I did text consent, yes. <laughs> yeah, that is good. That's good. That's good. So. Awesome. Josh, I do have a question for you, though. Ooh, uh, and I know part of the answer to, to this, and this doesn't really, sh- this will show up a little bit at the end when we talk about our homework from the last two weeks. Hmm. Have you been playing a lot of games lately? No. <laughs> I haven't either, Josh. I don't know what the deal is. Like, I partially uh, know what the deal is, but I really have not been playing many games. I, I guess I shouldn't say that. I have been playing games um, a lot, but I don't feel. I don't even know how to say this right. I don't feel like I have been. I've been playing um, hockey with uh, Lucas and mm-hmm. uh, Nate, also known as Takeda, uh, a lot, like on our free time. So a couple hours a night on certain nights. But it's always like it's never planned. It's always pretty much is anyone around. So maybe that's why I don't feel like okay. it's been a lot of gaming because typically like when I know I'm gaming, I have to like make sure I'm available and kind of like schedule it out. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I don't know that if one of the two of them weren't like actively engaging me, if I would have been playing, cause I haven't really felt, I don't know. I think I'm just in this funk. I am too. And you know, even when I've had time where I could potentially sit down and, play a game i have been choosing to like watch a television yeah. or watch a show or a movie or something like that instead or read a book or i it, it's very interesting i go through these like i get in these funks kind of every once in a while and i think part of it's because i'm really just waiting on returnal right now like that's yeah. the game i'm looking forward to and it's a couple of weeks away still so i don't feel this 
need or desire to kind of get into anything. But even when I sit down to play something, I'll play it for 20 minutes or half an hour and I, and it just doesn't grab me. And I'm like, I'm just not feeling this right now. And then I put it away and I watch TV or I do whatever. It's just very odd. Um, cause usually when I do it, there's a set, like when I get into these times of not playing a lot of games, it's because I am looking forward to something. So I just will even play like a ton of overwatch or something because I don't want to, you know, I want to make sure that if I finish a story game that, or if I start a for- story game that I can finish it or whatever. And even just sitting down to play overwatch, I'm like, well, that was fun, but I'd actually rather watch people play overwatch than me play it. Yeah. Which is a weird, like I've never really had that happen. So it's very odd. I've, I've been in this very odd funk and considering games right now. It's, it's both uh disheartening but also kind of invigorating to do other things some uh but it's it's just very weird i don't know that i've been this much in a funk of being like meh i'm fine i don't really feel the need necessarily to play that much right now yeah but it's okay we'll keep doing a gaming podcast (laughs) no big deal well luckily we changed our format so that it doesn't really matter if we haven't played games (laughs) well and yeah and the good thing we actually have played games which is nice yes that's true. So we have something that we're going to talk about later. And the thing is, I, and what I am excited about right now is I have a game on the horizon I'm very, very much looking forward to, mm. which is pre-ordered now, by the way, just so you know. I did notice that. I did uh, set it to... Uh, Auto-download? Auto-download. Nice. Very cool. Cool. Anything else we want to talk about before we get started then, Josh? Uh, There was something, and I'm forgetting what it was. Oh, I got the uh, Beyond Baker Street. Uh, game from Z-Man Games, yeah. and we sat down to play it last night. And after just enough confusion from the regular rulebook and having to go into Board Game Geek forums to figure out what's going on, and also finding out it comes short cards based on what's supposed to be in the box, and that's just how it's shipped. Um, then trying to start playing the game, I I looked up at my wife. I said. I don't want to play this. And she goes, me neither. I said, okay, I'm giving this away just to Joe because he'll probably enjoy this game. Uh, so it's not even going to get played. Uh, that's how disheartened I was after 30 minutes of Googling rules that were wrong and then finding out it ships short cards uh, <laughs> and doesn't support what the rule book says for setup. So what you're saying is not a glowing review for Beyond Baker Street. <laughs> not a great start, at least. <laughs> so maybe maybe if I give it to my money buddy Joe, he'll play it with his wife and be like, hey, it's actually really good. I'm like, cool. I'm glad that you have it now. <laughs> my first attempt for the Sherlock game. Uh, and I'm just going to stick to that Sherlock video game, I think. <laughs> for now. We'll see. But yeah, that was what I was going to mention since we're not talking about what we've been playing. No, that's uh, good to know. I, I, oh, I'm not gonna even tread this. One. I was gonna start to talk about like I don't understand how like major misprints happen in rule books like that where you can't even play the game, right? Or that they haven't fixed the part where the rule book says you have cards that aren't actually in the box, right? I, <laughs> but I also have never p- published a game, so I'm sure there's a reason. And it's the second edition. Happen. I understand. <laughs> They they messed up really, the second edition. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I yeah, I'm sure next time we have a guest on, maybe they can shed some light on things like how things like that can happen. Yeah, because that does seem <sighs> like on. a pretty big oversight. Who am I? I'll get Rob Lee's or Steve McKenzie on <laughs> and I ask, ask a question. specific question. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> 
All right. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of the place in video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. In addition to that, we always want to give a nice special thank you to a few of you who, you know, contribute more than we could ever expect from you. And we really want to say thanks to Michael Masick, Barry Cathcart, Edwin Kahlo, Stephen Keller, Nick Creature, Rude Day 93, Ben Moxham, Robbie Manuel, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calicote, Grouchy Sergey, Devin Tyus, RJ Kern, and there might be one more, but it hasn't been updated in my notes, so I guess I don't know who else that possibly could be. Me, I'm definitely one of them that still isn't on the updated list, I guess. No, you're on there. I just skip you and you skip because I'm on that list. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, But do we do thank you very, very much. We're also a member of the Dice Hour Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. With all that being said, we do want to give you one side note of housekeeping that'll be around for a couple weeks, uh, that there have been some decisions made and that the main PSVG feed is going to be ending in the month of May. I believe May 10th is the date. So if you listen to our podcast because you are subscribed to the main Place and Video Games feed, um, you're going to want to migrate or go start downloading us either from the Dice Tower feed or our own standalone feed uh, because that is where the vast majority of listeners download us anyway. Um, and just as a result with the number of podcasts on that feed, it, it's just becoming, I think, a little too daunting to manage. And I don't know that enough people are utilizing it anymore. Uh, most people have kind of found the podcast they want to listen to and download them individually. So if you are still one of those people, one of those diehards, we thank you for that. Um, but please note, you will want to start looking to find us either on the uh, Dice Hour Network feed or on our standalone feed. Uh, like I said, that will be coming in May. We'll definitely keep you reminding you as we move forward. But with that, topics of the show. Josh, what is your first topic this week? Hey, did you know that there have been more board game awards? I did know. I was going to bring this up, but I was like, you know... It seems like I'll let Josh do this one. I, we'll see if he snags it. And if not, I was probably going to throw it in there. I snagged it. The American Tabletop Awards happened over the past week. This is a uh, company that gave awards out for early gamers, best game in early gamers, best game in casual games, strategy games, and complex games. Uh, so I don't know why they just didn't give me a list. I had to click on uh, each individual category. So for 2021, uh, our, I'm just going to really just do, this is going to be a quick little news article. Um, the the definition for early gamers are games intended particularly for younger players, typically 12 and under, and players new to modern board games. Uh, game durations usually run 15 to 45 minutes. The winner is Abandon All Artichokes. A heartless card game, as it is called. It's by a game, That's right? Um, vacate some vegetables in this delightful and colorful deck builder with streamlines gameplay and makes for a great introduction to the deck building genre. They also do list recommended titles called Hues and Cues, uh, is one of them. That's by the OP and Dragon Dragomino, 
which is by uh, Blue Orange Games, uh, which is the uh, family entry in the King Domino series. Uh, and the other, uh, and that's 2020. Oh, and then 2020 Draftosaurus one. So last year Draftosaurus had one. So I'm guessing that you recommended are the two other games nominated in the category. Uh, for casual games, which they credit uh, at list as games that are approachable and appealing to gamers at all levels of experience, playtimes typically fall into the 30 to 60 minute range. The winner, did I buy this? I think I bought this game because I've heard, I heard so many good things about it. But now as I look around, I'm not sure that I did. Uh, that game is The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine by Cosmos. Um, with over 50 co- cooperative trick-taking missions, you'll be in for a long trip as you're making your way to a mysterious new planet in The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. The other nominated games were Monstrosity and Nova Luna. Uh, I think Monstrosity is ooh, Renegade or no, Deep Water Games, sorry. Um, and Nova Luna is by Stronghold Games. And the previous winner was Rob Davio's Ship Shape, won last year. Uh, so congrats to former guests on the show. Uh, strategy games, games that take a deep step beyond casual games in their complexity, planning requirements, and duration. Playtime typically runs from 45 minutes to two hours. The winner was Calico, which is a game I kickstarted and have and have not played. <laughs> um, but I also, that's my flat out games. I also backed another game called Cascadia from them. Uh, and it beat out the search for Planet X from Renegade Games and My City from Cosmos. I am really interested in My City. I do want to pick that game up. I almost point. grabbed that at my FLGS. Yeah, it looks really, really interesting. And last year's winner was Wingspan, beating out Fort and Smartphone Inc. Uh, now I'm more, now I'm actually like worried how complex Calico is going to (laughs) be. So we'll see. Calico is all that complex. I could be wrong, but I don't believe it is. Yeah, I don't think it is either. But speaking of complex, here we go. Complex games, deeply strategic games, especially appealing to experienced players often, uh, employ a myriad of game uh, mechanisms and lean towards longer play times. The winner for this year is, uh, Dominations, Road to Civilization. It's by Holy Grail Games. Um, and it beat out Dune Imperium, which I've only heard great things about, and Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. Uh, and last year, the winner was Taverns of Tiefenthal, a game I have played. Uh, and I would say it is complex. <laughs> so those are our winners of the American Tabletop Awards. If you want to familiarize yourself with them you can just go right to americantabletopawards.com to find out more about the this group it did it was founded in 2019 so there won't be much reading to do you'll probably be able to get a good idea on what they're all about have you played any of those games or have any aspirations to play any of those games so Dune Imperium, like you, I've heard good things about Dominations. I thought this was a 2019 game, but maybe it was in Europe. That could very well be knowing board games. Uh, but so I'm interested from what I've heard of that game. I do believe that one is super heavy. Um, like I had talked about My City, I'm very interested in. I'm not, I don't know about Calico. 
Uh, I know a lot of people really seem to like it. It was a game that I had considered backing on Kickstarter, and I just didn't. I don't know necessarily why. Maybe because it's about cats and not dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think all of these games in general I've heard very good things about, and I am moderately interested in most of them. But there's none of them, though, that I am, you know, they are next on my list to pick up, if that makes sense. I hear you. Their first year going, uh, Catch the Moon won Early Gamers, Quacks of Quedlinburg won Casual, Chronicles of Crime won Strategy, and Root won Complex. So there you have those as well. Yeah, and you know, that obviously Chronicles of Crime, Root, and Quacks are, are still games that regularly you hear people talk about. Hmm. Uh, Catch the Moon, maybe. I just It's just not a, you know, a, a genre of game that I am as in tune with. Um, since I don't tend to, you know, play those ty- style of games, but yeah. yeah, I mean, they have a pretty good track record of picking games that um, definitely are still um, well thought about, well regarded, um, and people are still playing. So, seem like some decent recommendations, if nonetheless. Though I will say, Abandon All Artichokes, I think, is a very cute game. Yes, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever own it, but it looks adorable. That is for sure. So, cool. Anything else about the American Tabletop Awards? Nope. I'm glad there's more awards, and I'm not mad at any of the winners. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. All right, Josh. It is back. One of our favorite segments, at least I feel like one of our favorite segments, (laughs) we're going to be answering the Board Game Subreddit's most burning questions. So we're just going to jump in here, Josh, and I have a whole bunch of them, so we'll see how many we get to. It's really going to depend on on how how long the time goes. And some of these are not, we're not necessarily going to be answering the questions, but in reading the questions, it brought me to something else. That oh. I wanted to talk to you about. Okay? okay. So my first one for you, Josh, is have you been seeing what it's up with Street Fighter, the miniatures game, and everything that's going on right now with that game? I wasn't even aware there was a Street Fighter miniatures okay. game. So, Josh, way back in, I believe, 2018, there was a Street Fighter miniatures game on Kickstarter. Oh. It funded it in a day with, in the end, it had over nine, almost 10,000 backers at a little over $2 million raised. Wow. Was supposed to ship March of 2019. Ooh. Shipping now. So it is shipping a couple years late, but it is shipping now. And some information just came out about uh, EU shipping. Okay, Josh. So this person. Uh, I, and the reason I saw this was on Reddit and then I went and looked on board game geek and there was a whole big thread about this, Josh, this person's, um, reward. So for all the games that they backed, it was $140. Guess how much their shipping cost is. I is it shipping from the United States? Cause most things ship from the EU. <laughs> I don't even know. Is it the same price or more? <laughs> their shipping total is $148 and 50 cents. That's insane. <laughs> And it's $140 is what they paid for the game. So yeah. including taxes, their total payment is $315.10. Wow. Okay. Uh... <laughs> but Josh, here's the thing. People backed this game in 2018 and are now having to pay for shipping. So is this sunk cost? Like, do you just pay the shipping? Do you just kiss your $140 goodbye? Do you try to get a refund? If if what do you what do you do in this situation? It's by Jasco Games too, huh? It is. That is surprising. 
Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I don't... It's it's shipping... It's in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. That's... I wonder... I'm wondering... So, how these... Are they come painted? Because these look great painted. They uh, do look really good. <laughs> I agree. They look really, really nice. Um, I guess my question is... I'm trying to go down to the shipping part. If it's something... So, my biggest question is if this is something that was detailed in the campaign at the start there's no complaining uh i mean the, uh, i would still want to complain <laughs> there's so many expansions shipping information we will charge shipping after the kickstarter concludes based on the actual cost incurred to ship this project we'll be collecting the viewer custom plot the chart below is estimated shipping prices be aware that it's possible these prices are not exact european union united kingdom australia 20 to 30 dollars 20 to 30 dollars uh due to licensing they can't ship to japan or asia because like they're like skirting the street fighter license apparently i mean yeah <laughs> depending on how that works yeah uh and then right above it says this project is eu friendly <laughs> rewards uh bound for the eu will ship from within the eu no extra customs charges it says which they are charging that so they are charging customs charges yeah that's a. Uh, I mean is that like a lawsuit? Like that's like that's that has nothing to do with the Kickstarter. You're this is pa- this is post Kickstarter prices, right? And you're this this is telling you they're not charging you more than thirty dollars. Yeah, but this is also just a as Kickstarter. Oh, they're been, estimates. Like, yeah, yeah, they're estimates. You know, and they oh, it does say one. keep in mind these are estimates, and the more items you purchase, the more your shipping costs. So actually, they do cover. it. That might be for just the base game was twenty to thirty dollars. But do you think it's reasonable to say, "Oh, you said thirty dollars, and now I'm paying one hundred forty-eight"? No, but the, I honestly think that one line. Please keep in mind these are estimates, and the more items you purchase, the more shipping will cost. I mm-hmm. think that covers them. I don't like that. That's a cost, but if they're not clear about the shipping costs for if it's a base game or all of it. I think that last line kind of says like we're kind of we're kind of telling you without telling you that it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. <laughs> I don't. I just don't understand how they can get away with it with companies like Simon in existence who ship things at a reason, well, relatively reasonable shipping cost. Right. You know, like I I can't imagine that all of these weigh more than my Gloomhaven box. And I didn't pay that much. I didn't even pay a fraction of that for my Gloomhaven shipping. <laughs> <laughs> and Frosthaven's going to weigh even more. Uh, I don't know yeah. what you do in that situation, right? Some people won't be able to afford it. Right. Um, I don't know what happens there. So, really, I think my question is, and like I said, I, I know that, especially from when this game was supposed to launch till now, global shipping has gotten way more complicated right like everything for shipping is more expensive than it was definitely in 2018 when this was started 2019 when this was supposed to ship to now right things are different but what what is the price josh that if you had paid you know you had backed at let's say you had backed at the 140 dollars level yeah and you paid that then when it funded and now you have to pay shipping now what is the price where you're like i i can't do this like i'm just not going to pay shipping are you wi- li- literally willing to throw another $140 at it? No. 
I'm not. Well, I, you're in this. You're you're stuck, right? In this spot where you have to. I mean, if you, you can afford to do it, you got to do. Yeah, yeah. Like the, I'm looking at the comments. So this is from a super backer on Kickstarter, and he says, "I'll leave all expletives and shit and shoot." <laughs> I swear, <laughs> and stuff. The, we'll leave all the expletives <laughs> and stuff out. But he says, uh, for him, it's he paid one hundred and forty dollars. The shipping is $150 for him from Germany to Sweden, just one country over. And he does not understand what happened here. He said, are the cardboard boxes made of gold? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He said, yeah, I paid and now no biggie. But believe me when I say that Jasko will have a hard time pushing any other games on Kickstarter. The first comment is shipping costs are the cost, man, not Jasko's fault. But I feel like it is Jasko's fault. Because they are choosing the shipping company. They are. Which is choosing to... Someone is charging that price, whether it's Jasko or the shipping company. I don't know. Um, but someone used the example that Mythic Battles, same shipping, $39 for the all-in pledge. Um, one guy says, if you backed two complete pledges, it's going to be over $700. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that's pretty crazy. I don't even know that I have a... My my opinion is that's horrible, <laughs> I guess, is where it really comes down to it. Because uh, I'm even trying to figure out what how much shipping was for... Uh, what's it called that's coming in the summer? Uh, that was supposed to come in the summer? Emerson's game? Foundations oh, of Rome? Uh, Foundations of Rome. What did I pay for shipping? 40 bucks? That's what I'm... Do- yeah, and that's what I'm like. I, $41, I think. Yeah, which is still like, whew. I mean, that's still a lot for shipping of a game on top of the price of the game, right? But there's there's another person who says that they their shipping cost is over $200. Oof. And they paid $140 for the game. Well, $155, I think, because of taxes or something. And then yeah. their shipping is over $200. Like, I... And a, a lot of people are like, hey, the shipping cost is the shipping cost, right? There's only so much you can do. And to, the, to a degree, I agree to a degree, I agree with that. But, oh, boy, I, I think it is a tough pill to swallow to expect everyone to just be able to be like, yeah, I'll pay another hundred plus dollars for this game, you know? So this is interesting. So Foundations of Rome, you have two two pledge levels, Emperor, which is the big one, and Senator. Which is the small one? Mm-hmm. Twenty bucks for the United States, twenty-five for the Emperor. Now, Alaska, it's in Hawaii. It's fifty dollars shipping or sixty dollars yeah. shipping. Yeah. Um. So they list United States, Alaska, Hawaii, Canada, EU, UK, Switzerland, Norway, Australia, New Zealand, China, Macau, Hong Kong, rest of Asia. But then you get to rest of the world. Seventy dollars mm-hmm. shipping on the base game, ninety dollars shipping on the on the big one. So that also does say estimated shipping, right? But that's still higher than I expected for wherever the rest of the world is considered. Yeah, I and like I, but that's still more than being like you know it's thirty it's bucks. Still, and we're gonna charge you one for you know, yeah. and you could say, oh, doesn't it count in all the packages? Like I, I agree with you a hundred percent, 
But I just think as a person, when you're backing this Kickstarter, you probably like, well, $140 and then like, okay, 30 bucks. Well, state shipping parts will say 50 bucks for shipping. Right. So then you're like, so I guess I'm paying 190. Well, now it's like, no, it's actually 280. Like that. That's that's. hmm, I'm immediately thinking of Marvel United, right? Yeah. Game that everyone just got recently, even though I've had it for almost a year. Uh, (laughs) And I want to see what they say for shipping costs. U.S. Shipment of a base pledge. Optional buys not included. 15 bucks for most states. $75 shipping for Alaska, Hawaii, Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico. $120 oh. to Africa. That's crazy. And that's for that the base is. game. A, a $22 game at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay because the new one is coming to Kickstarter probably by the time this episode's out. Yeah, the Marvel one, yeah. Uh, the X-Men one. Yeah, X-Men. Sorry, yeah. I said Marvel. I meant X-Men. That's okay. Uh, so, yeah, that doesn't even list what shipping is for all the other expansions. So right. you're actually probably closer to shipping costs with this game as you are for Street Fighter based on the amount of expansions they have. <laughs> yeah, and I'm totally fine with, like, if they're totally upfront about shipping costs, then yeah. fine. Like, it is what it is. But whoof, though, when they... When you just are like, oh, what's my shipping cost? And it's way more than you thought it was going to be. I think that's just a bummer for everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to, to make uh, up for whatever's going on right now, but it's just I don't understand how how long they must have been sitting on that information as well. Right. And then, right. And then just letting people know. Yeah. Uh, well, it's scary. Um, and there's someone else who wanted to just add on a set of dice to go to Canada. The dice are twelve dollars. The shipping would have been forty-one bucks <laughs> from Las Vegas to Canada. To Canada, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought, you know, uh, I shipping is getting so expensive. I do wonder if we are going to reach a point soon where going to your FLGS is just going to be less expensive. I mean, at that point, yeah, I would not buy a game on Kickstarter if that was what right. I was you playing. know, like, oh goodness gracious. So, all right, so that was a really long t- uh, t- conversation about that one. So we'll just go through a couple other ones here, quick. Josh, what? Um, this is from user Night Storm. Night Storm. That's what we're going with. It's spelled very interestingly, but that's what I'm going for. Uh, what do you do with empty boxes when combining base games and expansions? So to start with, Josh, if you get <laughs> expansions for games, do you try to fit them all in one box? No, not typically. There are exceptions, like Marvel Legendary. Marvel Legendary. No, Seven Wonders. I think I put the expansions in. With the original game, at least. I think all of my games that I had before I was a serious board gamer, mm-hmm. I mixed my box, like my expansions. But since I've become like fully invested in the hobby, I do not do that anymore. I think the only time I put them together is if there is already room in the base box for the expansions. Or I get a quote unquote big box and then put everything in there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of games where where, uh, we just don't like the expansions or want to always play with them. Mm -hmm. So it's like way easier to not include them in the box. Yep. No, I agree. I agree for sure. Do you think that's the norm? Do you think most people put them together or do you think most people keep them separate? Based on what I see online and on YouTube, it seems like 
uh, I'm in the minority. It seems yeah, like, like everybody. Together. Not only that, but they throw their boxes away. Yeah, I think that happens too. That's crazy. So, That's eh. me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this next question, this person was asking specifically about which 3D printer they should buy to so that they can print board game accessories and and things mm. like that. But Josh, we aren't experts on 3D printers. But if you had a 3D printer, mm-hmm. which game would you want? What would be your first game that you would print stuff for? Gloomhaven. What would you print for Gloomhaven? Everything. Every, like everything, everything? I've already bought 3D <laughs> printed pieces for Gloomhaven, so I would just make my own. I got character bases. I got doors. I got chests. I got obstacles. And there's so much more you can do. There's so many f- Gloomhaven files. Mm-hmm. I would just, my whole game, I would have another 20-pound box that goes with it that's just full <laughs> of 3D printed pieces. There is, someone did a, oh, was it, shoot, was it Mansions of Madness? So someone made their own custom, I can't remember what game it was, I think it was Mansions or something along that line, and it was like, they made like, it was in an old suitcase. Yeah. And then they opened it up and there was all the custom printed trays and stuff. It was really cool. Nice. Um, For me, it would be Dead of Winter, obviously. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, that'd be... <laughs> All of the characters, since those are just cardboard standees, it'd be really cool to make uh, characters for them. And then there's just so much stuff in that box. I could make multiple boxes of things for Dead of Winter. So that, for me, is the easy answer there. All right, Josh. Here, then, is going to be the final question. And we'll come back to more of these if uh, we have time. But, I, you know, we're, we're, we're chucking along here. So we'll see. If you had a nickel, this is from user Musket32. If you had a nickel for every unplayed board game on your shelf, <laughs> oh, how much money would you have? Uh, let's see. Uh, I would have... No, I didn't do that right. A nickel? I would have $7.50. Okay. Because, yeah, so every 20 unplayed games would be a dollar. So oh, that doesn't sound right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every, yeah. Every tw- yeah. yeah, every 20 unplayed games would be a dollar. Yeah. I have enough to buy a pack of Keyforge, not even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would probably have 20, 40, 60. I'd probably have about five bucks I would get. No, 60, probably $4. Between three and $4, I think, is what I would have. So we have a lot I have of board a games, lot of that games on my shelf that I've only played once. Um, but uh, I have a nice mix of games I've played a ton and then obviously all of those that are, are still in the plastic that drives Josh nuts, but they're there in plastic and it's great. <laughs> so so I just thought that was a fun question. A lot of people uh, in the answers, though, are in the $0 club. Hey, good for them. <laughs> good for them, indeed. I agree. So those are some of Board Gaming Subreddit's most burning questions, most of which I guess we just talked about shipping costs for games. But hey, right. <laughs> that's okay because it's always a hot topic. Josh, what is your second topic this week? Oh. <sighs> Well, it comes at the end of this yawn, and it's a phrase that many people in gaming should be familiar with, but can it run Crisis? And now, we have the question to the, the answer to the question nobody asked and nobody wanted to know. PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S have an upgraded Crisis Remastered. Well, it has Crisis Remastered, and it is essentially upgraded. So, I think... We're getting this from via Eurogamer.net, but this is coming from um, Digital Foundry. Uh, I, I'm not. There's a lot of information as Digital Foundry does, but I think I, what I would say 
is that I'm shocked. That what are you we, shocked by? It still doesn't run flawlessly <laughs> on a PS5 or Xbox Series X. In fact, they had trouble hitting 60 frames, 1080, not even 4K. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they were able to get 1800p max um, with 60 frames per second, but it was that's in quality mode, not performance mode. So you can get ray tracing. Um, this is up. This has been updated to include the PS5, um, but originally it was just um, on the Xbox. But so you you could have went longer on your thing because this is going to be a real hit and miss hit a uh, quick quick hit uh, topic. But essentially, you cannot play <laughs> Crisis Remastered in its most powerful form on the current most powerful consoles that we've ever seen minus pc <laughs> isn't is yeah. that crazy to you now do we think this is because crisis and this is going to be where my pc noob stuff is going to come in do we think this is because crisis actually looks that good or is it because it's not optimized do you know what i'm saying uh, you know i i don't know because I haven't played Crisis in forever. I actually I downloaded Crisis Three on Game Pass, uh-huh. and I was like, "I wonder is just regular Crisis the the benchmark now? Crisis Three is like was better at one point, but now Crisis Remastered better is better than Crisis Three. So I don't right. even know like it, even if I try to do that. But um, I am curious to see. Actually, I can just click on this Digital Foundry video right now and tell you as I mute it. How does the game look? The game looks great. <laughs> Immediately, I just skip forward a minute. Um, it looks like Far Cry, which I guess is what Far Cry wants to look like. It wants to look like Crisis. <laughs> so looking at it, uh, yeah, just lots of textures uh, and colors. The character animations probably are what suffer the most, right? Because those are probably the least updated. But Yeah, uh, I would assume so, yeah. Flying, the oh my goodness, the difference between original Crisis and Crisis Remastered. I mean, yeah, it's so pretty crazy. It still looks real good. It looks great. <laughs> okay, well, that's all I need to know then. I'm actually shocked at how good it looks. Um, but I'm trying to find the differences if they're showing PC and Xbox because they had one running at 160 frames, 199 frames. So that's clearly PC. This is like very high vegetation. It looks like a movie. It's still very impressive. So I guess I'm just genuinely shocked that we're still living in a world where we can't afford to play Crisis at its highest setting. A game that is has to be 20 years old. <laughs> when did Crisis come out? 2007? Uh, is that right for Crisis? 2007. So, I mean, <laughs> 14 years old. <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Did you like Crisis? I remember thinking it was fine. Um, but I think I remember it being weird because you like had these like abilities and like the augmented abilities. And I think if I remember correctly, it ran too fast. Your character moved too fast for my liking. If I remember, 
and I'm not mixing it with a Far Cry. Um, I think I had trouble with like the main character moving quickly and motion blur and stuff. Yeah, I, I guess I mean I played the original Crisis, but apparently it left very little impact on me because I didn't play Crisis Two or Crisis Three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I haven't played any of the sequels. Yeah, I did see that Crisis was on Game Pass though, but I assume it's not remastered. I'm assuming it's just the original Crisis that's on Game Pass. Oh, maybe, maybe that's true. I did, I, I did download I Crisis know. Three on Game Pass, but I wasn't looking to see, um, what the other one was. But that's also an easy check because I can check PC games. So I'll just read the ending. Uh, that the end of this so ultimately we can't quite achieve the console 60 frames per second dream on xbox series consoles and ps5 since this was from the original article Um, and bearing in mind performance levels achieved on xbox one x this is a little disappointing however the experience can still impress quality mode on xbox series x when paired with a vrr capable display which most people won't have certainly delivers the goods as for PlayStation 5, we're looking at this as soon as they already have. Um, Crytek told us to expect 1080p and 60 in performance in RT modes and 1800p, 60 in quality modes for PS5. All with dynamic resolution scaling in place, naturally. Uh, those resolution limits tie into PS4 Pro's equivalent outputs. If you're wondering why they're lower than Series X, um, it also seems this is a limitation on PS5's back compat plus feature. So, there you have it. It can't run Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> At full spec. So, let's see. Crisis on PC. They yeah, have Crisis, Crisis 2 and Crisis 3. Yeah, it's it 2007. Is, it is the original Crisis, yeah. yeah. I was looking at it because, yeah. Because I, I was thinking about downloading it because I was like, well, I wonder, you know, I have this new PC, see kind of where it's at with Crisis. But yeah. then I saw the remastered one. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I should hold off. But it's just wait until that hits Game there. Pass. Yeah. So <laughs> that'll be not too long, I'm sure. Thanks, EA. <laughs> but cool. Anything else about uh, Crisis? No, it's the game that keeps on keeping on, I guess. Excellent. We live in a world where we can't play a. 14 year old game <laughs> at 60 frames per second but hey what are you gonna do what are you gonna yeah. do all right josh so my second story it's back baby e3 2021 <laughs> is coming the electronic software or excuse me the entertainment software association has confirmed that e3 2021 will be june 12th through the 15th as an all digital show and will include the likes of Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two Interactive, Warner Brothers, and Coke Media with more to come. So Sony sitting out, potentially Square sitting out, uh, potentially others sitting out, but a still pretty solid lineup. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts? you excited about kind of having a structured E3 uh, Jeff Keeley has already said he's his summer games fest is returning, but in a more condensed version. Uh, there were some rumors that potentially E3 was going to have a paywall that has been squashed by the Entertainment Software Association, saying no, it'll be free to everyone online. Uh, so, what are your thoughts? Are you stoked for E3? You know, we we're all kind of interested in what it's going to be a year without. Are you happy to go back to a year with? Yeah, I'm happy they're back in a digital form. Um, I was a little worried they were going to try to do a a physical event. And that could be 
catastrophic for them. But yeah, more more games focused better, right? Like I know we talked about E3 could be dead after last year. Um, they certainly had issues, but it's smart of them to go digital. They got all the right people involved. It's no surprise that Sony isn't involved. I think it's actually more surprising that Xbox is and Nintendo is because mm-hmm. they usually do their own things. Right. I mean, I know Microsoft does like, they're essentially like the Across keynote the of video game yeah. companies for E3, but they're, they're on their own. So I'm surprised to take two interactives on there. Um, but you know, that is, it is what it is, but yeah, I'm glad to see they're doing more stuff. I'm glad to see we're still getting summer of games. It just means more mm-hmm. content for us, right? It just means more delayed games and more right. fabricated, um, gameplay. <laughs> and you love that fabricated gameplay. I think it's your favorite part of trailers. It is my favorite thing. I love it. To okay. <laughs> so we've talked so far, uh, that, you know, Who's going to be there? The big theaters who not, you know, EA is not going to be there. Probably doing their own thing though, like they typically have. PlayStation will probably be doing its own thing at some point. Uh, Square, you know, it's kind of up in the air. I mean, they could, but I think that their past conferences haven't exactly set the world on fire. Uh, Bethesda supposedly is doing something separately this year from Xbox. Is kind of what folks are saying, and that. After this, potentially things will be grouped up, but they're going to kind of be business as usual, quote unquote, for this year. So in looking at the ones that are confirmed, you know, Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two, Warner Brothers, and Coke Media, uh, one of those that you're most excited about, most interested in, anyone you'd like to see that isn't listed that you'd be excited about? I mean, I'm excited about Xbox, of course. Um, I think I'm interested to see what Konami has, because I think everyone's waiting to see what if we're getting Silent Hills and if we are, what else do they have up their sleeves? Uh, we're probably due for a new um, Tekken. Uh, we're still waiting on uh, Street Fighter X, te- Tekken X tre- across Street Fighter. <laughs> At least I'm still waiting for it. Um, <laughs> I'm curious, as someone who isn't listed, but I want to see is probably Sega. Um, there's, I don't, I still, I don't understand how we live in a world with a Sonic the Hedgehog movie and not a Sonic the Hedgehog movie tie-in video game. I don't understand how that is. Not that I want to play it, but I don't understand how that's possible. That the last Sonic game we got was Sonic Mania, and that was like three years ago now, maybe. Uh, so and and uh, I mean everyone, everyone keeps thinking of Dreamcast Mini is coming out. So, I mean, I would love to see that. But that's just selfish me who wants to see that. They're not behind Bayonet anymore, right? That's, is that with, is that just in, that's Platinum, right? That's Platinum, yeah, but with Nintendo. Was Sega originally with that? Or am I just confusing Sega, Platinum Sega with Sega? Sega published the first Bayonetta. Okay, all right. All right. Yep. But it was developed by Platinum, but published by Sega yeah. for the first okay. one. Yeah, okay. Yep. So yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Sega show up at or like at Xbox's briefing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, how about you? What are you What are you looking forward to? It's a good question. Out of all of these, this might sound be a surprising answer. Uh, Nintendo. That is surprising for you, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> I think that Nintendo, while obviously Monster Hunter is crushing right now on Switch. But I think they're the ones who, you know, 
there's all the rumors about the re- reformed switch um but also like oh yeah from their first party you know obviously breath of the wild 2 or whatever it's going to be called um we know about but i think they're i don't know that they have so many games that either have been announced that we haven't heard anything about you know when it comes to metroid when it comes to bayonetta 3 like all these things that we haven't heard anything about in a really long time uh, but then also a lot of things that we just don't know much about right like we have breath of the wild too but then what else are they working on like we had that big um nintendo direct that happened not all that long ago but i think most nintendo fans not seem to be not super stoked about that one like i think there was little things in there that were exciting mario golf things like that but i think we're waiting like what's the next mario game yeah you know is there going to be another mario kart like where are all these things like now we have splatoon in the future but what, like, are we going to see any more about that? I, I just think they're the ones who, especially with rumors of another Switch on the horizon, um, they to me, the world is their oyster. They're, you know, Xbox is doing really well. PlayStation is doing pretty well. But Nintendo is crushing it. Yeah. Absolutely crushing it. So I'm really interested to see, like, how they want to move forward um, and what their plans are moving forward. Because they've been pretty quiet, I, it seems like, overall for a company that could be just absolutely running away with things even more than they already are. Um, so I'm really interested to see the, how they handle that and what they want to do with that and what their path forward is, um, kind of what they're thinking about. So that's the one I'm actually most interested in, is seeing what they want to do. After that... <sighs> I'm I really like Ubisoft like I just do for the yeah, most part too. like I like you know so I don't know that their conferences are always super super good but I tend to like a lot of their games um I really kind of interested in knowing what's going on with Skull and Bones like is that still a game <laughs> is that a thing that's ever going to come out uh, yeah um so I there for me are probably the, the other one that I would be most interested in just because I tend to like their stuff will we finally get a Splinter Cell <laughs> you know like is that actually going to be a thing that happens so, but yep. I can't decide if I am super excited about this. There's something about, while I was someone who said we didn't need E3 anymore, and I don't really think we do. I think, if anything, the last year has proven we don't need it. Yeah. Uh, there is something cool, and and maybe this isn't even an argument for E3, but it's an argument for when we can safely gather as people again doing fan fest type stuff like PlayStation experience was just like watching those press conferences was just fun when you had people who are really excited about the product getting really stoked about what was being talked about. Like that's just a fun thing to watch. Um, and that I think is the big thing we have been missing of that watching digital presentations by yourself is just sterile. Like you might be like, oh, that's really cool, but it's just not the same as hearing the audience freak out about things. And then yeah. you're like, yeah, other people are excited about this thing too. And that's great. It just... I don't know. It just feels different. And yes, you can go online and be part of the zeitgeist online and and be really excited about it. But to me, it just something about having people in an audience and be excited about what you're talking about is just cool. Um, And maybe it's just because I'm old that I feel that way. (laughs) But I just really think that's cool. So, uh, you know, this to me, the fact that it's E3 and everything is condensed, like whatever, I, I guess that's great. It'll make the news 
run short and it'll be really exciting for those few days. We'll get a lot of really cool announcements in those few days. But even like the last couple of E3s, like they were starting to announce things in May and be like, we'll see you in June with more information. So like by the time we got to E3, a lot of the stuff we knew anyway, there were way less surprises and leaks are hard and leaks happen. So I think that's a big reason for it. It's just hard to keep all this stuff under wraps these days because games are too big. The number of people working in games is so huge. It's pretty impossible to keep secrets these days. So, so yeah, but I'm, obviously i'll watch this stuff i just don't know if i'm like ah so so excited about it but i'll definitely watch you know pretty much all of these i would watch so yeah yeah. i do think media though is funny yeah me too (laughs) i mean they got a gazillion games that they're working on so it doesn't surprise me but i don't know how many of them are games that i'm like yeah i'm so excited but you know we'll see we'll see cool anything else about e3 josh no all right what is your third topic then Okay, well, Outriders has been a hot topic for gamers for, well, for what? For server crashes and game being down, and now they have had to remove crossplay between consoles and PC and PC and, like, and consoles and consoles um, while they're trying to figure everything out. It's been unfortunate for them uh, because that seems to be like the leading news for Outriders. Well, um, I did play some more tonight before we recorded. I'm still, I still really like the game. Um, I think it has a lot to offer. But now it seems some some players in Outriders are seemingly being punished for a very early in-game choice, and that problem is people who chose the Devastator class, they're getting uh, literally uh, kicked out of of um parties for post game content so end game um basically they there is uh there are there is there are 15 unique missions um with high end loot that uh, is post um story uh, layered on top of that is a challenging tier system a challenge tier system this is from eurogamer.net which affects the difficulty of the enemies you face and the loot level. So additionally, the faster you compete, uh, complete an expedition, the higher the chance you have of nabbing high-quality items, which is the percentage chance of legendary drops. Um, so this means expeditions are essentially damage-dealing speed runs. And the problem is that Devastator is a slow, plodding tank, you know? And players who decided to play as a Devastator... And unfortunately, put in all of this time to build their character, uh, or sensibly, as they say, um, being kicked out of games because that's what they chose and had no foresight to even predict this. So uh, they say the problem is the Devastator's damage output cannot compete with that of the other classes. Um, And the way the expeditions work makes damage output pretty much the most important measure of success so i think that stinks <laughs> that's a bummer <laughs> uh i know that a way around this is to nerf other characters um which maybe they'll do that i did read that they're nerfing the uh what's the one that slows down time the trickster i did read that they're nerfing the trickster i don't know if that's because of this or not but uh, that ha- that is also pretty common with these types of games uh, so I think it's a bummer. What do you think? How, what do you think about this news? You play Overwatch. You should be familiar with like character burdens. I I do play Overwatch, and I am familiar with character burdens. Um, 
And it's interesting because this is a topic of conversation that happens in that community all the time, the Overwatch community being of what do you do in this situation? How do you handle, um, you know, ostensibly people who won't play meta? Now, the big difference I think here is that for Overwatch, unless you're like really good at the game, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> like it, it, meta, team comp, meta, all that stuff, like at the lower levels of play and, the, and even like the middle levels of play where I am, doesn't matter. It's more about your individual skill and knowledge of a character than it is your ability to play together as a team. Um, so that's a little bit different than this is here. And for me, this is kind of like, I see both sides of the situation. Like it really stinks that people are kicking folks who choose devastator which was the class that i had done in the demo and the class i would want to play but honestly this makes me immediately not want to play it yeah um it stinks that they would kick them but also like they're trying to like win right like they're trying to get the best for them they can and there's no obligation there's no set team structure that you have to have like one of each or whatever it might be right so i i can't really blame other players for kicking people when they feel like it's going to reduce their chances of grinding loot and if the better and if part of what the loot tie is is how fast you do something and if someone's going to do less damage like you are you are incentivizing them for, to kick the devastators from their group that is yeah. the incentive you're giving them so they either need to figure out a different way to give rewards or and maybe include like damage absorbed or something like that i don't know um, or they need to buff the Devastator. I think nerfing the other characters would be a reasonable example, but I think people will probably get pretty upset if, like, the three other main classes, if people are just rocking those and doing awesome, if you bring those down, then rather than bring the one up. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that makes so sense. So I, I think it would make more sense to be, to bring the Devastator and make them a little bit more powerful. Um, and, you know, balance is hard. Balance is always going to be very, very tricky. But in a PvE game especially, to me, that's very odd that they just don't. Like, nerfing weapons in PvE games and stuff just is weird to me. Like, if I'm not shooting another player character, I don't know if it really matters that it's OP unless it totally breaks the game in some way. So... This stinks, but I totally get it, and I think it's something that they probably should um, address quickly because tank players um, tend to be like a pretty small number of people who want to play that role anyway. So if you are disincentivizing it as is, uh, it's going to make even less people want to play it. So unless they don't want people to play Devastator, and maybe they don't, uh, then yeah, you probably need to buff the Devastator because that stinks. What are your thoughts? I agree with you. I think it. Uh, I think you're probably right. Buffing is better than than nerfing. Um, but you, yeah, I agree. And a game where you're where you're putting 50 levels into a character before getting to post game, and then to ha be faced with having to do it all over again just to um, get trophies or or play the end game with friends or whatever uh, seems like a big bummer to have to deal with and. Um, maybe they didn't have to deal with this with Avengers, right? I know it's not the same team, right? right. But it's the same publisher. Uh, not publisher. What is it? Studio? Publisher? Publisher. It is still a play publisher because it's yeah. Square. You know, same yeah. publisher. So, like, I don't know if that's something that they, they had considered or if it never happened in, in Avengers. Um, but I know that in Avengers, you are limited to the characters in certain... Uh, like, if you play online cooperatively... They did put some modes out where you could play as the same characters, but mostly if someone's the Hulk, no one else is the Hulk, which 
could change. Also, that's the whole tank me- mechanic too. So I- I'm wondering if there's just like some type of like gap, so, like some bridge between the two that could be examined to fix the problem. But I agree. Like if they want people to keep playing their game, then they need to fix the Devastator. But I also think the problem is now people are just going to kick the Devastator. Period. Even if there is a patch and they and they, maybe they don't know about it or they're not caring to read about it, they're just like no, no Devastators. And then the people who maybe they'll get some more games, but I feel like they're you know they're still kind of in this spot where for the people who have already spent hours upon hours in this game they're kind of not getting the reward of more game after the story right right she's a bummer yeah it is and mm, I, part of i remember when we were playing avengers and we were talking about avengers and i think others have disagreed with us but i felt that while every character in avengers had like different moves everyone could roughly do the same stuff, right? Like everyone had ranged attacks. Everyone could get to every height. Everyone could fight, you know, air enemies. Like everyone could kind of do all the general stuff. Since you could pick anyone, the game had to be flexible enough to allow for all those things to happen. And to me, as a result, all the characters, even though their moves were a little slightly different, felt kind of the samey to me. And I don't think that's true in Outriders. I feel like the characters felt very different, and but as a result, then you hit this imbalance portion. And I think maybe that's why we didn't see it so much in Avengers, but we see it here. It's just that, you know, these characters feel uniquely different. And the role of the Devastator in the main game from when I played him was very, very different from the other characters as far as getting in their faces, doing some damage up close. But yeah, like it just doesn't compete with the level of damage that these other three can do so hopefully they fix it hopefully they boost it up and make him a little more give the devastator a little more love um but that's just just a bummer but hard to do too like balance is always one of the hardest parts in multiplayer games for sure z's so awesome all right josh anything else about outriders play it if you can play it it's on game pass it's a lot of fun don't let the negative I've, news sway you i have it downloaded so we'll see Got to actually play games like we were talking about at the top. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Josh, my final topic. We're going to do it. We're going to talk about this, even though this might be a a challenging subject for some folks. Should the platforms themselves ban six days in Fallujah, Josh? So this article is from GameIndustry.biz. Marie D'Alessandri is the author of the article. And it says, Muslim advocacy group calls on platform holders to not sell six days in Fallujah. Uh, Care asked Sony, Microsoft, and Valve to not distribute, quote, an Arab murder simulator that will only normalize violence against Muslims in America and around the world, end quote. The Council on American Islamic Relations has called on platform holders Microsoft and Sony, as well as Team's parent company Valve, to refrain from hosting or distributing six days in Fallujah. In a release shared on its website yesterday, CAIR, so CARE, I believe, um, said the Highwire Games in Victoria's title is an, quote, Arab murder simulator that glorifies the violence that took the lives of over 800 Iraqi civilians, justifies the illegal invasion of Iraq, and reinforces Islamophobic narratives, unquote. CARE Research and Advocacy Coordinator Huzafa Shabazz said in a statement, We call on Microsoft, Sony, and Valve to ban their platforms from hosting Six Days in Fallujah, an Arab murder simulator that will only normalize violence against Muslims in America and around the world. 
The gaming industry must stop dehumanizing Muslims. Video games like Six Days in Fallujah only serve to glorify violence that took the lives of hundreds of Iraqi civilians, justify the Iraq war, and reinforce anti-Muslim sentiment at a time when anti-Muslim bigotry continues to threaten human life, end quote. Josh, what are your thoughts? Do you think <laughs> that, and we it doesn't necessarily <clears throat> even have to be specific to this game. Yeah. It can be if you want it to be. Do you think platform holders should be more vigilant in banning games if there isn't something that is illegal per se you know and so i could argue that more crimes potentially happen in fallujah that's a whole different conversation to degree to me yeah but do you think that sony microsoft valve is this a thing they should even explore What, what are your thoughts well i didn't I don't know too much about this game. I and I didn't know too much about this game. It came up in dis in our Discord. I want to say maybe a week ago. Uh, the topic was brought up again. I guess it came up before. Um, so I have a hard time commenting on the game because I don't know what the game entails, and I haven't gone out of my way to look up the game. Um, I think originally when I was thinking about it, it sounded, uh, it sounded real bad. Like how I think of games like Postal or the game I couldn't think of on Discord. I was that Lucas was able to remember, which is called Hatred, mm-hmm. which had a lot of um, news come out about that game. Where Hatred is a game where you just the goal of the game is to kill innocent people and do as as much as you can wherever you can in a town or a city which is, you know, has its own problems and and detractors and supporters, especially the freedom of speech thing comes up a lot. And I think I still believe in the freedom of speech, right? This is something that I feel, I don't know, it's hard to say you support it and then you don't. It's not so like, it's not, it's, I don't know, it's black and white, right? Or at least it's people want you to, not live in that gray area where like it's freedom of speech is important until it's too much and then no more. So I think that they have the right to make the game. And I also think that publisher uh, Sony platforms have the right to not support the game on their platform. It's kind of like that whole no shirt, no shoes, no service law, uh, law rule. It's not, I don't think it's a law. Um, but something that came up in conversation was the topic about Call of Duty and Battlefield and games like mm-hmm. that, where these are games that glorify war, period. Um, and I'm not defending anyone. I just want to point out the fact that there have been games where um, fake countries have been made up that are incredibly similar, and it's impossible to not see the the countries that they're trying to uh, mimic or portray. There's games like I talked about, Spec Ops The Line, where there's definitely horrible um, things that happen, but it's in service of a story that isn't glorifying war. Right. In fact, it's telling, I think, a more like somber take on war, more realistic per se. It's still a video game. Uh, take on war. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said and I, I just can't comment on 
six days in Fallujah yet because I don't know the content of the game. Now, if it comes out and it tells a story about uh, the U.S. forces in there and and they're and it's I don't know in my head it's like Lone Survivor similar situation like you're trapped in a country you gotta get out of I don't really know the story so um, I understand where the Council on uh, American Islamic Relations are coming from I. I get that. It's kind of like right now with the, with what we're seeing with um, Asian hate crime. If like they put out a Vietnamese, like a Vietnam war game, I think that would right. be tough. And I know that uh, that people have a hard time separating real life and video games sometimes or film. So I don't know, but I don't know that the right thing to do is to make this game more sought after by banning it. Because then you're making it a um, a thrill for people. Uh, I wanna, I gotta play this game. I heard it's terrible. I gotta play it. I don't know that that's the right thing. Um, because I know we we live in the world of cancel culture now too, and I don't want this to necessarily fall under that hat if it doesn't have to be like if there's a legitimate reason behind why this needs to be dropped from platforms because there is war crimes or terrible things are happening or you're um, incentivized for killing civilians things like that like yeah i i mean i wouldn't want my child to have access to that game Mm -hmm. but you're also living in a world where we're all adults and we have the right to make our own decisions and just because you don't make this game accessible to people, I don't know that this, I don't know. I still believe video games don't make people violent. So I don't know that putting this game out there is going to make people hate Muslims that didn't already hate them or or have this, this bias towards them. Right, right. The, the bringing up the, um, Asian hate crimes that are happening. It's it's. Uh, I, I was thinking a lot about that as I was reading through this, and I had been reading a little bit about um, the concerns with this game and and educating myself a little bit more about Fallujah because I do a little bit, but I didn't know a ton, so I wanted to make sure I had read a little bit, knew a little bit more, and you know, I, keeping it kind of tied to video games. There's a um, video making the rounds of Fearless, who is the a tank player for the Dallas Fuel. Um, talking about his experience in Dallas right now. Um, Dallas Fuel, after last season, picked up an all-Korean team. Um, and just what those players are going through walking around Dallas right now is uh, really disappointing um, about the way they're being treated by um, people. And also really racist in so many ways because they see people who um, don't look like them and assume them to be Chinese, <laughs> even though they're yes. Korean. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, that's neither here nor there, I guess. So... So it made me think a lot about, you know, this, but the more I think about it, and this is something I have always been pretty staunch on, uh, and I I do think it probably comes a little bit from a place of privilege, but it it is something I I do truly believe is that art should be allowed to be created and exist, period. Now, does that mean that, but if somebody wants to make the art, 
they also have to be willing to handle the criticism of their art. And I think that's kind of the big thing here um, is that I don't know what this game is going to be, right? I have no idea what this game is going to entail. I mean, I, there have been brief videos about it. I'll be honest, I haven't even watched the trailers or anything for them, not out of a sense of protest or something like that. I just haven't watched them. Um, but I, I do, I am someone who thinks that art and speech and things like that are important. Um, and that even if people are saying things I find to be, um, degrading and despicable or in some ways just like racist or ethnocentric, um, statements, my obligation then is to counter those with my speech. Like that is my role, my responsibility. Right. Um, and again, I think that is for me an easy stance to take because I am in a situation where in general, um, my existence is not minimized. Um, I'm not a person who, um, is daily um, put into danger or talked down about, or my rights are at risk of being violated because of, you know, my identity, any of my identities. Um, so I, I think it's a easy position for me to take, but also one that I, I do feel pretty strongly about that we should have conversations about these things. And that if, you know, this company and this publisher want to make this game and want to publish it, that they should be able to do that. But then also, we if there are things worthy of criticizing we get to criticize those things um you know and that's just really my like i said i i do feel still feel pretty strongly about that i think we in some ways have gotten away from um here i don't want to say hearing both sides because there are certain situations where i don't know that both sides are valid but this is not this is a situation where i i really do think that they should if they really want to make this game, they can make this game and then we can have a conversation once we've played the game or seen the game and see, is it a murder simulator? I have no idea because I don't know what the game is. I've never watched a trailer for the game. Um, and I don't know the context of what this game is going to be in the end. And I know that their plan is to tell some stories of people who served um, during the Battle of Fallujah. And it's a tent, it's a, you know, it's something that in the United States, I don't think as many people support the Iraq war as it once did. Uh, I think, you know, our feelings in 2001, 2002, 2003, all the way up to 2000, you know, nine, 10, 11, now. 12 are very different <laughs> than they are now about, about that. Um, the decisions there of things that happened. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm it, watching it the is, trailer. It, okay. It looks, it looks like um, more tactical. It reminds me of like uh, the original Ghost Recon games, like uh, not Future Soldier, but the ones before that, Ghost Recon Three, I think. Right. Um, but yeah, they do they do cut in interviews with these soldiers uh, that are talking about what happens. So I mean, there is a sense to legitimize what they're doing. I don't know if this was always in the plan or they're doing this because of the criticism, but it appears to be a narrative story with like cg story but i don't even know you know i don't know what they were looking for in fallujah uh but they're like searching houses and and i think that's where it probably becomes difficult uh so i don't know i don't know i'm interested to see where it goes but i understand the criticism i understand i understand how it's difficult and i don't i know i mentioned cancel culture i don't think this is um 
being brought up because of that, I think there's legitimate concerns from legitimate group of groups of people. But I just I see games why like Russia has and I'm not saying I support Russia or anything, but they have constantly had to argue about Call of Duty games or Battlefield games. And I think that's just a story that gets brushed away. Like people go, oh yeah, okay, Russia's complaining. But they're bad guys. That's what they like the US like rationale is, right? Well, they were the bad guys in this war, so it's fine. Right. Right. So right, right. um this is just a different situation where we're invading a country and it's been a, it was a very controversial war. So yeah. I get it. I get it. I don't know. It's a tough topic. It is a tough topic. And I think we have we have talked about that even um especially when we were doing board with everything, when we talked about like comedy, right? And and not saying that this game is going to be funny by any means but in the sense of you know is it okay to joke about anything and kind of the idea of like well if you choose to go to a controversial place like you are choosing to walk that line right you are choosing to put yourself and expose yourself to the criticism that's gonna be tied to that is it worth it to you is it something that you feel so passionately about that you feel has to go that you have to go that direction um and apparently right now this team thinks they do so are you going to play this game I don't know. Uh, honestly, um, it doesn't look like a bad game. Like, it looks like a good game. It looks like, honestly, it looks like a regular mission from the, not the current, but the last Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. Mm-hmm. Going into dark buildings with a light, no lights on inside. It looks very standard so far. So, I mean, I'll make an educated decision when we know more about the game, but, uh, it's certainly not going to feed any like issues I have with anybody. I don't. I'm not anti-Muslim. I'm not anti-U.S. It's not going to change my mind one way or the other. So um, I feel at least comfortable knowing that if I do decide to play it, I'm not going to suddenly change my opinions. But I also understand the concern that some people would. Yeah. So. We're interested to see, you know, as this still develops and as they continue to talk about this game, and and we'll we'll see what happens with it. I'll be very interested to see, um, a if this game does actually come out, but b also when it does come out, uh, what the reaction to it's going to be. I'm going to be very interested to read reviews of this game. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll we'll see if it's still hit. it's currently slated for fall 2021. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But um, and you know, I guess to get back on track about the original question can platforms ban it if they want to i suppose they can but i think it becomes uh um you know obviously they're currently they are you know walled gardens they can choose what goes on there um so can they sure should they um i don't know it'd be hard (laughs) to answer since we don't know what the content of the game is yet for certain so all right then with that we're gonna move on to following up from our homework from a couple weeks ago so Josh, uh, last week we each, or two weeks ago we each assigned one another one piece of homework, which I think was a reasonable amount of homework to give, and maybe we should stick to one for the future. Um, but the homework I assigned to you, Josh, was to play Magic Legends, the uh-huh. beta of uh, the new game, Magic: The Gathering game, that is basically, you know, an action role playing game, you know, in the style of Diablo. Um, did, a, did you play Magic Legends, Josh? And B, what were your thoughts on it? I did play it. That How much did you play? 
<clears throat> well, that's a good question. Um, a few hours. I would have played more. Uh, I enjoy it. It is more Marvel Heroes than it is Diablo. Oh, okay. Good to know. Um, but I definitely see the Diablo vibes. Um, I, I think any time a game has that perspective and that you're just kind of like, I, yeah, that perspective, like, and that <laughs> type of action, everyone's like, oh, it's like Diablo, like immediately. That's just the default answer. Yeah. Yep. No, I get that. I get that. Um, I, yeah, I, I like, uh, the story. Uh, it's fine. Uh, it's a little, I kept playing it going, okay, am I like, is this a multiplayer game? Does it ever open up? Am I just on this linear storyline? Um, I like the, uh, abilities. I like that it is, I mean, it, it's, it's like, it's not as quite like a deck as it seemed like you can only, you have two available spells to use at a given time. And when you use one, it is replaced by a different one. Um, so you don't necessarily always know what spell you have. Um, you can stack some spells. Um, like I, one of the spells was like summon a golem. I could have up to three out after like some like cycling through them. Um I wanted to play more, but it is too buggy. Um and too glitchy. Uh otherwise I would have played it probably a ton more. So I decided to put it down um because I want to play it. So I'll wait and try it after a patch or when the full game comes out. But I did enjoy what I played. Um I would like to find out if it is going to have multiplayer, I believe that so. Yes, would be fun. Role playing, free to play, shooter. It's not a shooter. Come on, <laughs> get here. Facts straight. <clears throat> Open beta. Choose your hero. Yeah, I picked the Geomancer to start. Uh, to 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 fight together, yeah. Embark on your journey solo in a group. So I guess I didn't get to the part um, where you can play with uh, up to two other planeswalkers, or I did, and I just didn't go into the menu and check. Maybe it just didn't tell me. Um, but yeah, I had fun. I would love to play this with you at some point. I'll even play with you in the beta if you want to try it. But it was so buggy. Um, although I will say this: when I played Marvel Heroes. At the beginning, it was super buggy also, but that was when they tried to dump a lot of online players in the same lobby areas or shared spaces, and and that was why then. So, uh, But yeah, I think they have something cool going on here. I think that it could come across as a, come out as a really good game. And looking at maybe the more advanced levels, like I, I definitely see the Diablo vibe, but... For me, it plays a lot like Marvel Heroes, which isn't that much different from Diablo anyways. Right. But I think there's maybe a stiffness. Oh, yeah. There's a stiffness. That Diablo Hero, that uh, Marvel Heroes has that I think Diablo doesn't, that probably is more present. Um, I really wanted to play the game, but I've heard a lot that the the bugs were a bit challenging in it right now, which it is in beta. Like, they're very, it's, you know still working on it they make it very clear but yeah and it's coming to console too which i think is exciting that is um, cool but, I, but i'd be interested to see how it works on console but it is something that's coming there all right so overall partial success but want to get it a little bit cleaned up before playing hmm. more is that what you'd say i'd give it a thumbs up it's good okay just cool gotta fix those uh bugs it's a beta so you don't i don't i shouldn't even complain about that 
Yeah. Well, but I think, I mean, it's sometimes when people are like, yeah, this is a beta, but it doesn't feel like it. Whereas this is like, nah, it's definitely a beta. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can, yeah. You can definitely tell it's a beta. Yeah. So cool. Well, Josh assigned me then to play Gloomhaven. Mm -hmm. uh, And he said that ideally I was going to play the board game version, but if not, that playing the PC version of Gloomhaven would be acceptable. Well, Josh, we played the PC version of Gloomhaven. We did. And it was really. really fun uh gloomhaven obviously the board game sensation number one ranked game on board game geek josh's favorite game that he plays all the time um, or used to play all the time now plays you know on occasion um but a, a really cool uh adventure uh campaign based game uh that right now is in early access on pc so they're still kind of working through the campaign especially right now you are doing um basically side missions that you're kind of working your way through that are not part of the main campaign um, to ensure that it works out. But you pick a unique character who then, you know, in this case, Josh and I were working together to complete these different uh, missions that we were given. And they have a really kind of cool mechanism that when you're drawing cards, you pick two cards and then you have to perform the top action on one card and the bottom action on the other. So then it's trying to decide, you know, what am I going to do and where am I going to go and which of these actions am I going to do? Um, and obviously Josh has talked about Gloomhaven a ton. I will hmm. say for being a beta, overall, the game seemed to run pretty well. I didn't notice any obvious glitches. I know, Josh, you had mentioned there are things in the board game that don't happen currently in the PC game. So maybe those will come later. But, uh, Josh, this is this is pretty good. I, I really enjoyed Gloomhaven. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. I was worried. Uh... And I, and I want to play more. <laughs> but, Josh, here's my problem now. I don't know if I'm ever going to want to play the board game because that's what it seems like it's going to be really finicky in comparison. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a there's a lot different with the board game. I think this will be good for you because you'll be more familiar with a lot of the mechanics. But, I mean, you know what a legacy game feels like to play. Oh, yeah. it, it definitely like feels different when you're playing the board game. But, I mean... I don't know. It really depends on. I mean, we socialize and talk while we played, but you'd be playing uh, with Erica. So, like, if if you guys feel like you'd be like, ch- like happy and chatty and stuff, and not like arguing over who should do what and go where, that could be the <laughs> the difference between them. But I I do really like the digital adaptation, but it is missing something for me. But may and and maybe because you don't have the physical version you don't know or maybe you wouldn't miss it but i'm glad you liked it um because i'm all i'm all on board for playing more of it yeah no i really enjoyed it so here's my question do you know um so like all this experience and everything once the main camp once the game goes into full release like does this all go away do we have to take these characters into the campaign with the stuff we've earned will we have to start from scratch like what do you do you know as far as i know they haven't addressed that yet okay so I'm not sure, but you're not saving individual characters. You're saving parties. So if they figure out a way when the campaign goes live to just import your party, we'd be fine. But gotcha. you also you you can't be starting a campaign with that's a good level point. Whatever characters. That's a good <laughs> so, point. That's a good point. But in the board game, you're unlocking new characters as you retire your current characters. So ideally, if we are able to retire our characters and unlock new characters, then we could just start the campaign with the new unlocked characters. So it wouldn't really feel too much like we're losing 
That's how I may put it. But that, that won't sense. happen in the board game version. So there's a big <laughs> difference for you. Right, right, right. Oh, goodness gracious, goodness gracious. Okay, so I was really, I really enjoyed it, though. I thought it was great. Uh, it was something that I had so much fun that I told Erica how much fun it was and that I really enjoyed it. And she was like, oh, that's great. And then I was like, we could play the board game. She's like, yeah, I mean, we could. <laughs> um, so there we go. There we go. Uh, so be it. So cool. All right, Josh. So with that, we do have to assign one another homework for the next two weeks um, or something that will follow up with two weeks from now. Um, I have a question for you that will help me decide your homework. Okay. Do you want your homework to be board game based or video game based? Um, if it's board game based, I promise it's something you can do on your own. I'm not playing any more solo games. Well, then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a solo game, but it's a game that can be played solo. Okay. Let's do, I'll take some board game homework, teacher. Okay. You probably can guess what this is going to be, Josh. It, well, you already gave me Unbroken, so I don't know what else it could be. Nope. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See, it's kind of both. There you go. Yeah. So that, that is your homework, Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game, because I believe that is a one to four player campaign-based game, right? I think. Yeah, I better start reading that 50-page rule book tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so that is your homework. If after a week you want me to switch your homework, let me know. I will give you some time to, to read it up on it, um, but that is your current homework. No, no. If, if we don't do our homework, we Okay, have, okay, okay. Horizon's we have the shame. Game. There is your homework. What is my homework, Josh? Hey, you, you kind of already referenced what I was going to give you. Uh, it's to play Outriders. Um, okay. Get some gameplay in. Um, I'm happy to play with you, but m- mostly just get some outriders time in because i know we both enjoyed the beta sorry the demo yeah um, right. so um and you talked about being in a little bit of a funk and and i think gives give outriders some time maybe it will get you out of that funk uh what class are you i am you the pyro? pyromancer because okay. i probably am going to avoid the pyromancer then no worries i don't know if i'm going to go devastator though because apparently it stinks <laughs> as we just learned <laughs> Awesome. All right. So those are our homework updates. Josh is going to play Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game. I am going to work on Outriders, and it is going to be great. So with that, we're going to move towards wrapping the podcast up. We are going to give you our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we do want to give you that one other thing that we're into as helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation this week? (laughs) My recommendation is a weird one. (laughs) Oh, I like yours. I actually have to do something about that uh uh i don't know where this came from but i was getting i don't know i was doing an errand and i saw on the outside of my burger king giant sign said new and breaded chicken sandwich and i was like oh burger king's trying something new let's see what it is and i went and i ordered it and they gave me that flat, um, that flat ass chicken patty on a long <laughs> bun, and I was like, "This is not what I ordered," but I ate it. So then I gave him another shot. I was like, "Fool me twice, shame on me." And I ordered again, uh, to great confusion to the Burger King employees, <laughs> which they should probably fix. And I got my chicken sandwich, and this is the uh, Popeyes and. Chick-fil-A um, uh, contestant 
I don't know, or their attempt to capitalize on this market about two years too late. Uh, but what I can say is <laughs> it is the best chicken sandwich I've ever had in my life. And I feel weird about saying that about a Burger King sandwich. <laughs> um, I've gone back a few times already to have more. I also tried the spicy version, uh, which is fine. It has like the hot sauce. It's more like a, if you've had like Nashville hot chicken where it's like more like, like watery hot sauce, like dumped poured on it instead of like baked in. But it uses like the regular chicken, two pickles, Thousand Island, I think is what their dressing is or something similar. Um, and just this giant hand breaded chicken, juicy, tender, delicious, incredible sandwich, which I'm going to get again tomorrow. <laughs> uh, just, I don't know, I feel weird recommending it, but I have to recommend it because more people have to try this. So you're so saying good. it's good. It's so good. I know that I tend to say things like the best thing ever, but <clears throat> I challenge you to have it and not and and tell me that it isn't the best chicken sandwich you've had. So you're saying it's better than Popeyes, it's better than Chick-fil-A, it's better than any of those other places. So we don't have Popeyes here, at least locally, but it is better than Chick-fil-A, yeah. Okay. Well, I may have to check it out then. Uh I have a Burger King just down the road. Uh I will say though the Burger King, like their long chicken sandwich, you know? The long one. <laughs> when I was in high school, I was obsessed with those things. I ate them all the time. With I used cheese. to get the the um, Italian style. Did you remember when they did that? Yes, 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 yes. Oh man, I don't know what it was about those chicken sandwiches. I loved them. They were so good. <laughs> and now I I can't tell you the last time I had one. I don't even know if I would order one these days. I think I'd be very. I mean, yeah. it tasted good, but the picture that I saw, uh-huh. <laughs> and then getting that, it was the most disappointing thing <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure okay so the new hand breaded chicken sandwich at bk yeah Josh gives it two thumbs up i would give it four if i could awesome awesome okay well <laughs> i have a, I have a double decker recommendation this is a follow-up to a recommendation i made about six months ago roughly probably a little bit longer ago than that uh that now it's getting nice out at least where i live it is starting to get nice out finally uh it has been for a couple weeks seems like we're hopefully knock on wood um not gonna get any more snow or anything like that for the rest of the year so as it gets nicer, if you have not, uh, it's time to clean your grill. Make sure you're cleaning your grill, making sure the grates are all clean. The you know the depending on the type of grill you have, you know your flavorizer bars and that the little grease trap is cleaned up. Make sure all of that's spick and span and good to go because you don't want any grill fires. Those are no good. Um, so make sure you're taking care of your grill and that it's ready for the season. If you followed up and did what you're supposed to when I told you last time to clean your grill, this should be a very easy process. Because it should already be pretty darn clean. But you want to make sure you know that that winter weather is all kind of knocked out of it and it's good to go. So clean your grill, number one. Number two, I have gone through a huge change in my podcast lineup. I have made some significant changes to what I'm listening to lately. Um, And one of the podcasts I want to shout out that apparently everyone knows about, but I'm like the last to know about. If you have not listened to the series Slow Burn, uh, I encourage you to go do so. Um, They're on season four right now, but Slow Burn, is it's a newsy educational podcast the first season talks about uh watergate 
The second season talked about uh, Clinton and him getting impeached. The third season is about the murders of Biggie and Tupac. So a little bit of a diversion from Watergate and Bill Clinton. Um, And now the fourth season, which is releasing right now or just finished releasing, is all about the rise of David Duke. Um, so really interesting topics They're The thing I really like about them is that each episode is only about 35 to 40 minutes long, but you get some really good information in that 35 to 40 minutes and lots of interviews and from people who were there or who were part of it or who had some, in some way played a role, um, in the situations or with the people that each season is talking about. So if you want to get, a, you know, and each season is about six to eight episodes depending on the season so uh if you're looking for you know some good slightly educational but very interesting uh podcast topics check out slow burn josh what do you say we wrap this show up let's do it thanks for joining us everyone in addition to finding us on twitter and instagram at board with vg you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash board with vg so feel free to give us a five-star rating over there also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithfiji, so please use that hashtag as well on all your social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone Board With Video Games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, Steam, other things. Why so serious? S i r r i u s. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places: Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, and I guess Steam technically too. Uh, all at Psychocross. C y c o c r o s s. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. We'll be right back.